0: Let's say thanks to our worship team, doing an awesome job uh, this morning. And I, I want to mention again and invite you to the Super Bowl party we're having this afternoon. It is going to be so much fun. If you um, do not like football at all, that's great. Come. If you want to come for just a quarter, um, if you don't know what a quarter is, just come anyway. Uh, that's, that's fine. Uh, we're just going to have a lot of fun. We'll have um, burgers and hot dogs, as Lars mentioned, and we're going to be playing some ping pong and I think I'm the current reigning champion, or at least I'm claiming that. So um, you can come uh, dethrone me uh, from from that position. Uh, but please come and just have a good time. We're going to enjoy enjoy watching uh, the game and, and being uh, together this afternoon. So we've been doing a, a series um, called "The Weight of Words," thinking about the fact that um, no matter um, if you're if you're a, a young kid or an older person, an older adult, um, your words weigh a lot. The things that you say really end up making up your life. They make up your relationships and they make up um, your life. And so we've been thinking about it. If you learn nothing else from this series, I hope you just remember this sentence that your words weigh a lot. And unfortunately, I'm going to tell a story next week, a little bit about some of as, as I've been thinking about this series. I think of it like a couple months, kind of before you guys do. There's been so many times during this that I've said some really dumb things. I'm going to mention some of those next week. So come back next week to hear um, what Brian said that was dumb uh, to people. You have, have you on the edge of your seat uh, about that. But um, as we think about this, this, is just such an important concept, and it's something that I think as you think you see it in, in different arenas and in different places. And I couldn't help but think of um, this song, which is a pretty popular song. So go ahead and and play that uh, for us, Chen. starting now starting now one more thing why is it my fault so maybe i try too hard but it's all because of this desire i just don't wanna be the lie just don't wanna So if you don't know who that is, it's John Mayer, the song My Stupid Mouth, and I I can personally relate to that, that moment that it's like, I'm never speaking up again starting now, and there's that pause, and it's like, but one more thing, like why is this my fault and having that conversation, if you haven't had a moment like that, I'm sure you will at some point. Uh, in your life, we all want to get our word in, and if you 're in an argument, especially with someone who 's close to you, you have that one more thing that you want to say, and you 're thinking, should I say it or not i know it 's going to head down this pretty dark path if I do say this one thing because the things that I can say to people who are really close to me they often can be the things that hurt them the most, so do I say it or not? I remember when I was with my brother who 's two years younger than me, so it meant we were pretty much fighting all the time um, when he and I would start down a road of an argument, um, I knew. All I had to do was go to the song and I would sing Big Girls Don't Cry to him. And that always ended up in us like losing Nintendo for two months, um, which is funny. Our parents called it Nintendo even when we had Sega, which was kind of funny. They'd say, you lose Nintendo for two months. And we'd say, okay, cool, we'll keep playing Sega. But um, I remember I just had those words and I would, I would have that ready. And it's like, do I want to take this down that dark path or not? Because I keep saying in this series, your words weigh a lot. And the relationships that we have, it's words that you share with people that, that keep you either together or apart. There are people who you know that you like went to high school with maybe or college, who you had a really great relationship at one point, but you've just fallen out of touch or you just don't really share words anymore. And so it may not be a negative thing, but you're just not As close. So relationally, no matter who it is that that we are in relationship with, the words that we share matter. I shared this at the beginning as I was talking about this series, but there's a guy named Dr. John Gottman who calls himself Dr. Love, and he works as a marriage therapist out in in Seattle. And he writes several books about relationships, um, but one thing that he says is he can watch people argue for 15 minutes and then almost 100% with accuracy predict whether eventually they're going to be unhappy in their marriage or, or get, get a divorce at one point. And he just has these couples basically argue in his what he calls his love lab for 15 minutes, and he watches it, and then based on like how they, in their arguments, talk to each other— he says he can predict this pretty well. This is from an excerpt in, in his book. He said, after listening to them talk about this problem, I sadly predict to my colleague that Dara and Oliver will see their marital happiness dwindle. And sure enough, four years later, they report they are on the verge of divorce. Although they still live together, they're leading no lonely lives. They've become like ghosts, haunting the marriage that once made them feel so alive. I predict their marriage will falter, not because they argue. After all, I ask them to. Anger between husband and wife itself doesn't predict marital meltdown. Other couples in the newlywed study argue for more than 15 minutes of videotaping um, than do Darren Oliver, yet I predict many of these couples remain happily married, and they do for years into our follow-up and research. The clues to Darren Oliver's future breakup are the way, they argue. And I think we know this is true. Whether it's in a marriage relationship or in any sort of relationship, it's like the, the words that we share that matter. And he says, startlingly so, that I can predict this with, like, unbelievable accuracy. And even if I warn the couple, perhaps, and say, you've got to be really careful about this, it's just the way that they communicate, the way that they talk to each other. Our relationships, I think, are, are the foundation for our lives. And so we have to think about what does it look like for us to communicate well, to use our words well, whether it's with, like, a future spouse, perhaps, or with your spouse now, or just with friends, What does it look like for us to use our words well? We've looked primarily in this series at James chapter 3, but I want to back up to James chapter 1. James is an extremely practical book in the New Testament. It's written by the brother of Jesus, and that may be one of the greatest proofs for Jesus raising from the dead, because what would you have to do to convince your brother that you were like God's son and have to be quite a lot, especially my brother, since I used to sing that song to him? Um, But in in James chapter 1, as we back up and think about this, he gives some very practical thoughts about the communication and what it might look like for us to practice it more in a Christian manner. So James chapter 1 verse 19, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's read that together from the everyone part. Everyone should be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How much better do you think your life would be if you could just get that part right? How much better would, like, news, radio be better if people were able to, like, actually listen? I feel like one of the issues with our world today is we don't necessarily do a whole, whole lot of listening. There's the old adage, you have two ears and one mouth, right? So you should listen to people in your relationships. Listen as we speak. Don't just listen to make your counterpoint. Listen because that person is made in the image of God. He or she matters. And you're going to give them a fair listening with your ears because what they think matters. The idea that James is communicating here in the Greek is literally like, be late with your words. It would be better for you, James is trying to say, to be late than to be early. We've all had some moments when we've been a little bit too early with our words. And he continues with this thought, be very slow to become angry. Because anger can lead you down a path that isn't necessarily God's Intention for you. A time recently that I became a little bit frustrated. Mandy and I and our two kids were flying back from um, Europe. We had been over a Christmas break to see my sister in Switzerland, and we on the way home, we're flying from uh, Geneva through London, and the London airport, uh, if you haven't been there, try to avoid it as much as possible. Heathrow is, like, crazy big, and it's a bit of an unbelievable experience, and so we got there with an hour and 45 minutes uh, to connect to to our next flight, and so we thought we'd be all right, but we knew we had to hustle a little bit, and so we tried to navigate the London airport, and it was, like, a tram to a bus. And then when you go to a different part of the different terminal, you have to go through security again for another time, which is just an unbelievably annoying experience, especially with two kids. And so we're trying to do that. And we get to the gate where we have to like check in and make sure that we're there um, with 50 minutes to spare. So we think we're good. And the person behind the desk says, no, 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 you have to be here with an hour to spare. And so you can't get on your plane. And we said, well, have you given away our seats? They said, no, sorry. Like you just, you can't can't get on the plane, it's our policy, it has to be an hour. And they went on with some explanation about the weight, and, like, it has to to do with the weight, which is, I think, supposed to, like, throw you off the scent of being upset a little bit. But if you think about it a little more, it, like, takes a little personally. It's, like, so you're saying that you're worried about, like, if I get on there, the whole thing's going to come down. Like, that's a little insulting. I mean, I had a little bit to eat for Christmas, but I mean, come on, guys. Um, and so they said, no, sorry, there's just, there's just nothing. They're, they're very kind, actually. There's, there's nothing uh, we could do. And that was pretty bad on its own because they said there's going to be no flights and your seats are basically going to go empty and the plane's right there, and I really just wanted to run on. But um, they said it's impossible for us uh, to help you. And the worst part was we had flown on a different airline the first leg of the flight, and they said, and because it was a weather delay or because it was a, a mechanical issue on the flight that you were on previously, you have to go back to where you were in that other terminal um, to rebook with them. And I said, well, can you call them or anything? And they said no, so we had to take the bus to the tram, back through security, like this crazy, crazy process. And Mandy did the mature thing, I and mean, we had our kids, so it was very frustrating. We were kind of ready to get home at that point. She cried for a minute, then she regained her composure. Um, I turned and kicked a pole because... <laughs> <coughs> and I, I, I didn't do anything else, but I just I got to take it out on this pole. And I, I will say, I had, I had the maturity to stop about halfway through and think, like, please don't break a toe. Like, so... I will get it was more of a glancing blow. Um, and that was my way of, of, of uh, getting that frustration out because it was so frustrating. And there are things that happen in, in all of our lives that are just so, so frustrating and can make us angry. And it can be that we respond physically, like we kind of do something like that, whether it's kicking a pole, and hopefully you don't do physical things <laughs> all that often. But I think generally when we first respond, it's, it's with our words. Like we we say something out of anger and we say something that maybe we want to have back and you've said something in the midst of an argument and you just wish you could like hit rewind on your life. And God gives us the ability to pause ourselves, but we wish we had a rewind from time to time. And we wish that we could take it back. And in anger we've said or done something that we don't necessarily would say is part of who we are. And oftentimes, I think it's because we haven't really listened. Is there somebody that comes to mind that you're angry with, that you don't have a good relationship with, maybe you need to be reconciled to? Something that is, like, so plainly obvious, but I think we ignore, is important for us to consider, that everything that everyone does makes sense to them. You've done some dumb stuff. And when you set out to do it, it made sense to you. And the result necessarily wasn't good, and you immediately thought, oh, that was a really dumb idea. But everything everyone does makes sense to them. And we judge ourselves by our motives, but we judge other people by their actions. So you would say, yeah, oh, that was really dumb that I did that, but like, let me tell you why. Here's the reasoning, here's why I was doing and you'd kind of be able to explain, well, here's like the thing behind the thing that I was doing. But we judge other people only by their actions. And so we can respond in anger to them and frustration and being upset, because what you're responding is, the reason why you're responding in the way that you are is you're thinking, I don't know why he would do that. Or I don't know why she would do that. I can't believe that she would say that. I don't understand why he would do that. And the reason why it's so dangerous and destructive for us to like immediately react, especially with, with our words in anger, is because we don't really know sometimes. And oftentimes I think anger is a little bit alluring for us. We want to try to make things right. We want to think that we can figure out the situation. We want to be the one who delivers justice to the world. But if there's someone that is doing something that is hurtful to you or there's someone who you're not in good relationship with or whatever, what if you just said, you know, I think I'd like to learn. Why did you do that? Why, why did, I, I can't really understand. So just let me listen for a minute. Wouldn't that change the world if we all just committed to doing that a little bit? When it comes to things that we're angry about, I think we prefer to remain ignorant. We prefer to just like cast them into this place where uh, everything that he or she does, everything that, that she says is just awful. And instead of actually saying, okay, I don't really fully understand this, so, so help me understand. I think we prefer to remain ignorant so we can think they are ignorant. We prefer to just like not really engage it and have maybe the hard conversation that we need to have so that we can remain ignorant. What would it look like for you to maybe go to that person and ask some questions and say, I'm just going to be a listening ear. Can you fill me in? Can you help me understand? This isn't just helpful because it's like a good idea, you know, a Christian should probably do it, though I think it actually is. But in the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the author Stephen Covey says that the fifth habit of highly effective people, all the people that he studied, is that they seek first to understand, then to be understood. This isn't necessarily just like a good idea or something that we all should maybe practice because... Like The Bible tells us too, though, that's really important. If you're a Christian, you believe the, the words of Scripture are inspired by God, then you should do it. But this is just good, like, life practical stuff. To seek first, to understand, instead of being understood. Oftentimes, I think when we are listening to people, we're not really listening. We're just listening so we can try to say the funny story or whatever we have that we have to come up with we can end up being angry, and angry in the wrong ways. James continues, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I don't think God necessarily desired for me to kick that pole. When it comes to our words or our actions, when we're responding in anger to any given situation, we're going to do this or that and not necessarily think about the things that God desires of us. This is super important in, in communication because um, 60% of our communication is, is listening. I don't know how they do this, they, but somehow people have studied this. 60% of our communication is listening, and we're only able to remember, even the best listeners are only able to remember 25% of it. You ever had a moment when you're just sure somebody said something? And then you go talk to him about it later, and you're like, that, that's not what I said at all. And you're just totally positive. So even if you consider yourself like a really empathetic person, that you're somebody who's a really good listener, about 25% of what people are saying is what you're hearing. So part of this, I think, is just some humility and saying, no, I'm not going to be foolproof on this. I'm going to mess up Sometimes. And if I do have an issue, if I have a problem, I'm going to go and actually like go and listen and, and communicate and talk with this person. Another study, I don't fully know how they sometimes get this information, but the average person has 3.5 blind spots. And some of you have more than. I mean, if it's the average, maybe I have more. I don't know. So if you are in communication and you're just not sure what went wrong or what's happening, maybe you need to recognize that I could be blind to something in this conversation. I might be getting it wrong. It takes work to continue to listen to other people. It takes prioritization. It takes really like being willing to communicate. I don't know how many people have, have told me, um, or people around my age, I don't know if it's true of everybody else, but people around my age or younger, they just say, like, I hate talking on the phone. Like, I just can't stand having a phone call because I would just rather, like, text. And if that's you, that's okay. I, I, can, I can feel that way sometimes, too. But isn't it interesting how our communication just is getting, like, less and less personal? And less and less about like actually hearing what someone else has to say. We're really good at just putting like our story out there of just saying what we need to say, and it's pretty easy electronically, whether through like texting or email, whatever um, you happen to be using. But it just gets less and less personal, and it's not necessarily about listening to somebody else having a conversation. There's a guy named Julian Treasure who calls himself a listening coach. And he goes around the world trying to help people and companies listen better. When people are having a conflict or an issue, he'll go in and try to help them with listening. And he says one thing that can help you with your listening, because we're all needing work on this and we're all wishing that we could be a little bit better uh, in this area, is he says spend five minutes a day listening to some sound that otherwise you would ignore. For example, we get the sound of the rain on our windows for just a few days a year. Maybe you start your morning just listening to that for five minutes. Or maybe it's, it's at work and you have uh, a jackhammer going near your office and it's pretty terrible and you don't really like it uh, all that much. But instead of being annoyed by it for five minutes, just take five minutes and listen to it and hear the rhythm of it. Just recognize it. The space heater that's in your office, which you only use for like a month out of the year here, sounds soothing. A child playing nearby. What would it look like for you to just pick something out and just for five minutes a day, I'm going to listen to something intentionally. Intentionally. He said in the studies that he's done uh, with people, it's helped their listening and their relationships immensely to just take five minutes a day and recognize. He says there's a hidden choir around us all the time. and We often fail to recognize it. So, If you would commit yourself to five minutes a day, thinking about listening just a little bit better, to nature and the world, whatever happens to be going, around, going on around you. It will help improve your relationships and I think help cultivate the relationships that, that God desires. When Paul writes about the kind of, I would say, Christian principles in general in Galatians chapter 5, uh, he, he says this, that the fruit of the Spirit, which our, our kids are studying uh, right now, is love, joy, peace, forbearance means restraint, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Charlie has some of it memorized. He's got the song uh, memorized. But as you read those, those things, and this slide cuts off the last couple of them, but if you read uh, those, those things, joy, peace, restraint, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, wouldn't those be things that you would want to create in yourself? And I would argue that all of those things, a good foundation for all of them is listening. That if you want to be more kind, you have to listen to the needs of people around you. If you want to be more loving, you have to actually listen to them as well. If you want to be more gentle, more in control, you have to stop and listen. One of the issues I think in our world today, and I think it's always been there, but I think in some ways it's more present than ever, is we want to be right at each other instead of right with each other. That's not the way that Jesus lived. If Jesus came to earth and wanted to be right, like, at humanity, it could have been, like, a 30-minute sermon, or it could have been a weekend seminar, maybe, you know, he, like, takes the disciples up and does, like, the seven habits of effective Christianity, you know, and, like, just just gave that to, to them, and, and it was, like, all right, you know, you guys are, you guys are good to go. Now, here's, here's the map for how you do this. It would have been just as simple as that. Jesus didn't come to be right at us. Jesus came to be right with us. And that meant going to a cross. It meant sacrifice. It meant the willingness to actually like sit with people, be with people as imperfect as they were. Jesus came to reconcile us to God and to each other. So we are in need of, of a Savior who can work on us and continue to work on us. James one twenty one continues and says, Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I think if there's one part of this that we need to get more and more of our, our heads wrapped around, it's that word humbly, to humbly in relationship, and conversation, to be willing to be humble. To say, hey, you know, there's some blind spots I have. There's some things that I don't always get right. It took Jesus dying on a cross for me, so I'm not always going to see everything right. I'm not always going to have the right perspective on this. So I'm going to humbly approach my friends, my, my coworkers, my neighbors. I'm going to humbly approach them in relationship. And one of the ways that we do that in the beginning of a relationship, in any sort of moment, is a conversation. We're so thankful for the fact that we have great first responders whenever an, an issue happens, or we have great firefighters and, and police who are people who like run towards the problem instead of away. We're so thankful that we have the infrastructure uh, to have people who are like the first responders who take care of us in those situations. But as you think of crisis moments in your life when things get a little bit difficult, when things get hard, the first responders in in our world is often our words. When the temperature in the room starts to rise with you and another person, when a conflict begins to happen, generally your first responders are the things that you are going to say. As our friend Dr. Love in Seattle found, those things matter especially when it comes to stressful situations. When you're tempted to use phrases like, well, you always do this, or you're always like that, instead of actually listening and having an important conversation, our first responders often are the things that can move us in a different direction, can move us in a negative direction. One thing I love about the life and ministry of Jesus is we just see that he's just so comfortable in his own skin. In John chapter 8, I love this conversation. Um, It says, the Jews answered him, and they're always trying to get him in in trouble uh, for something. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and and demon-possessed? In John chapter 8, that's like the old schoolyard joke, does your mom know you're dumb? You know, and you're like, "Uh, no, yes, I don't know how to to answer that. So the Jewish leaders are always trying to get Jesus in trouble. Like, aren't we right in, in saying this, that you're a Samaritan? And demon possessed? And I just love how Jesus responds again, just so comfortable in his own skin. I'm not possessed by a demon. Which is a part of what they've said. He's also not a Samaritan if you're paying attention. But I love how as they present this, and it's like this moment of tension, and they want to try and trap him and nail down, like, okay, what what racial group do you identify with? And and you're demon-possessed. Like, we've heard all this negative stuff about you. Jesus just says, you know, I'm going to deal with part of that. I'm not possessed by a demon. The rest of it, I just don't really care. You guys can say what you want to about me. You can go and talk with, with your friends. You can... Try and plot against me. You can say this stuff, and I just, I don't really want to deal with those categories. How often are we, like, chasing after the words that someone has said about us? And there's this list of maybe two or three things, and you're, you're, you're so worried, you want to address all of it, like, right in that moment. And again, Jesus could very easily say "There, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually not a Samaritan, but he doesn't want to deal in those categories. So he deals with part of it. He says part of what he needs to say, but he doesn't necessarily address all of it. He's not so concerned with what other people might be saying about him that he's going to respond in anger. So now there's a part of it that I probably should get out there that I'm not demon-possessed. That's pretty key. But the rest of it, I don't really want to deal with your categories. And I'm not going to respond to all of it. He's not really concerned with using his words to try and fix everything, which often I would argue we are. We try to use our words to fix all of this stuff, and Jesus is just so comfortable in his own skin. Love the ministry of Jesus because of that. A mentor of mine, uh, Randy Harris, who's a professor at ACU and has run the um, prayer retreat that I've gone on for the last couple of years and I'm going in just just uh, next week I'll be heading back out there and I was emailing with him about this upcoming retreat and just back and forth and I found out last time I was with him that he's a big baseball fan and I'm a huge baseball nerd so I was just emailing him uh, about this retreat and then I asked him this was a month ago when I thought the Dodgers still could get Bryce Harper it doesn't look like it's going to happen anymore um, for, for this, I'm very sad about that but it doesn't look like it's going to happen and I just said to him like well, you think the Dodgers, at like, the end of my email, I think the Dodgers are going to get Bryce Harper? And he replied to me and he said, well, in your heart of hearts, do you want Bryce Harper? And I was like, how do you spiritualize everything? That's what I emailed back to him. But I started to realize that that's how Randy's communication is about everything, whether it's just the simplest thing. He's just really good at asking good questions back to you. And most of the time, it's bigger life stuff than uh, the Dodgers signing an important player. But he's really good at just, like, asking you, okay, well, how do you actually feel about that? And putting it back on you, and actually for him, to, to, he listens. He's sparing with how he uses his words. I thought, oh, what a great example that is. Because I think we all... We're going to have moments in relationships that is described in that John Mayer song. You have the pause, and you know you probably shouldn't say what you think you're going about to say. The question that you might want to ask is, does this really need to be said? Am I doing a good job listening? Would you be willing, as James encourages us here, to understand a good communication as we think about how much our words weigh is to have a deep understanding of the fact that our words matter and we have to be extremely careful about when we're using them in anger because they are generally our first responders and then maybe there's someone who you've had come to mind as we've talked about this and thought about this during this series that you need to go and listen to Just say, you know, things aren't necessarily in a good place between us. Can I listen to what's going on? What's in your heart? What's going on with me? What did I do wrong and spend some time listening? Wouldn't the world be a better place if we all were better listeners? If we understood to such a degree how important our words were, we didn't use them to try and control every situation? That if we heard something like Jesus does right here and very directly like, "Oh, well, you're demon-possessed, and you're like a Samaritan, let me figure this out, that we would maybe address part of it that needs to be addressed, but then say, I'm comfortable. I'm not going to chase my words with every situation that people might put me into. What would it look like for you to listen better, to understand that old adage You have two ears and one mouth. Who is it that you need to listen to? Let's pray together. God, as we think about the words that we have, may we continue to reflect on their weight. How they can direct our hearts and our lives. How we can... Impact with our words what we think about people, what we say. Father, this week, may we be good listeners. May we not respond out of anger, but truly hear what other people have to say. Father, maybe we're thinking right now of somebody who we need to listen to. Give us the grace to have that conversation. and Give us the grace to truly listen. Your son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you could stand, we're going to sing. I thought it was fitting to sing the song we sang in the first week of this uh, series again, the old hymn, Angry Words. So let's uh, sing that uh, together.